So the beginning of this uh, period together, then I'm quite energised. I feel a sort of, sort of trembly sense because I don't quite know what how things are going to unfold. And uh, so I'm just kind of poised at this slightly... Once the anxious because there's a sense of potential, it's not like fear, it's a sense of, oh, things are going to start, things are going to start unfolding, things are going to start, you know, blossoming, things are going to start happening for people. Uh huh, listen up. And uh, uh, I will, listening up in here, listening up in my gut, which is sometimes a bit wiser than what happens up here. <laughs> Getting a feeling for how things are going for you. And, uh, Recognizing, um, you know, we have a period of time together, and you've all come from your various places, separate places, I imagine, different parts of the of the country, and now we're entering some sort of collective experience, and you know, just bear this in mind: um, this collective experience this has its own effects, a certain sense of. Beneficial effect is we're all sort of gathering together, and it's like everybody, in some ways, is is putting their energy, their intentions into something corporate that we can share and be um, solidified by certain momentum to it. You know, like we're all moving along. I'm not, I'm not going to be pulling you along. I can suggest, but it's our group interest and enthusiasm and eagerness and so forth and. Also have difficulties as well. Maybe your difficulties are part of this process. They're not something we want to just brush over or say never mind, you know. <laughs> because it's the difficulties sometimes that are the place where something's trying to come through. Something's trying to come through and we haven't quite found a way to unlock it, to open it up, you know. So there will be difficulties and, and uh, I don't Undress, you know, I don't want to dismiss that, but just recognize any difficulty you're having, you can be sure that most everybody else has had it at some time or another. <laughs> Although it sounds very personal, you know, but human problems are quite, arise from quite simple basis. And uh, part of that is our very sense of ourself being quite somehow isolated, contained into a world in which we'd it is very large with all its time, future, uncertainties, people, what, you know, how am I, what am I, where will I go, what will I be, and this is, you know, what we arise into as individuals. So naturally there's a certain sense of both, oh, could be, oh, like, but also a sense of oh, what's going on, and certainly difficult things arise in that context. And even though we are kind of sitting here in this room, silently and we'll go through the precepts, a sense of safety with each other and companionship with each other. Still our minds don't stay in this room. <laughs> you know, they, they they are beyond they are beyond space <laughs> and they're even beyond time. So experiences we had a year ago, five years ago, certainly can still be there in our mind field. So this this will all be here for you to a degree. You know. And maybe this little sanctuary is a place where collectively, by our companionship and by our, our, uh, you know, our, our purpose and our sense of kindness and encouragement and respect for each other, we just gather just those requirements that are necessary to help us you know, find our way through some of the difficult bits. It's something that's really very rewarding, you know. You know? Now, you know, you, and I'll ask you in a little while just what your experience is of Buddha Dharma and meditation, but often the Buddha Dharma is presented as the Four Noble Truths, suffering, origin, cessation, path. And, you know, we don't like suffering. I never really relished it much. Um, and ideally, I'd like it not to happen at all. <laughs> and a feeling of, you know, could it not happen? Could I not suffer? Please. Um, and if it does happen, oh, dra- I've either done something wrong, wrong place, or so-and-so's been difficult to me. If only it would just go away, I'd be okay again. Yeah, then it will be okay. But actually, you know, a certain way of approaching it is to recognize, actually, there's a way of 
of penetrating uh, this experience of dissonance, uncertainty, tension, anxiety, whatever, however you experience stress, that if you enter into it, you don't just become okay, you become greater. It's not like, oh, I've got rid of that bit, now I can keep going. Actually, that bit, which I didn't really want, you know, seemed almost embarrassing sometimes, actually, if I can enter that, I become greater, larger, wiser, more loving, more joyful than before. So it's, it's not just an elimination process, but a transformation process that we, we're encouraging. You know, this is the, you know, the under, the, 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 you know, what sits under this seemingly rather bleak teaching, you know, that the uh, ceasing of suffering opens up a very fruitful path. Yeah? Very fruitful path in life. It's transformative. And if you do this, and as you enter this, there's no way in which your life will not be transformed for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It will not, you must be it, it's not be, it's not under your control, it will be transformed for the better. You will, sometimes you surprise yourself. I surpri- I'm surprised, you know, how, how do I get into this thing? <laughs> I wasn't born with one of these on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it went for me, you know. And that's my little story. But um, so you know, you have this this suffering, the really penetrating. What? How does this come welling up? How does this come bubbling up? What are the kind of causes and conditions that causes to happen? And then, what are the what? How do you pull the plug on that that allows it to settle? And then what do you see? Once it's settled, you see a path. You know, you come over this wave of, oh dear, oh what, what should I do? Oh, should, oh this is, is, oh dear, what am I supposed to do? I try and make it better. Relax, come through, and you, a path opens up. That's why, you know, even though it sounds like the cessation of suffering is the third and the path is the fourth, what do you think? Why isn't the path the third and the cessation the fourth? <laughs> You know, if the path leads to the cessation of... No, actually, the cessation of suffering is something that happens, like, sometimes for a minute. When I say suffering, I mean the sense of stress, pressure, selfhood, identity, isolation, egocentricity, I am this, I'm stuck in this, what can I do? Sometimes that stops, you know, and, it, and oh, and something you begin to see. Ah. Oh. I had the wrong assumptions, wrong assumptions of it. This is the way I align myself. Yeah. And this path opens up. That actually means you, you're able to penetrate deeper and more fully. And the deeper you go, the lighter it gets. Yeah. The deeper you go, the lighter it gets. So I'd also just like to you to to bear in mind, I don't want a lot of teaching tonight, but also, strangely enough, the lighter you go, the deeper it gets. <laughs> this is not a place to start getting heavy-handed, pushing, struggling, trying to make something work, trying to get it together. This is a place to move with a sense of care, attentiveness, sensitivity, openness. Uh-huh. If, you know, and I'd like to make this point because certainly myself, I have for many years spent quite a bit of time investing in a, in, in a certain sort of forceful, concentrate, meditate, make it work, get concentrated attitude. And yeah, yeah, get some re- some sort of results, good good enough results, and yet it, 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 it not. It's not actually kind of opening into something more spacious and joyful. It tends to think, well, that was quite good, but you could do better next time, or get more that way. This kind of focus, which tends to be narrow, goal-oriented, you know, this kind of thing, get there, you do get somewhere. But I don't think you get to the end of, you know, don't get to the end of suffering that way. Mm. 
Now, also, it doesn't mean we're just going to kind of be flimsy about it all, but there's a kind of quality of a holding and a touch. And I would say, again, very simply, meditation can mean many things, but I'm talking about a certain relationship to your body, mind, feelings, perceptions, impressions, or care of a certain relationship, and not just to your own thing, but also to nature, essentially, to the presence of other people. You know, we're not here to just block each other off, we're not here to converse, but we're here to be sensitive to, you know, in some ways, what we've, how we've experienced ourselves in a collective form. There's messages in all these things that need to be heard. To be sensitive to how we are in nature, there's a message there. We are born from nature. It's not wallpaper. It's not a video screen. We live in this stuff. And we tend to forget that. And once we, if we can be more sensitive to it, there's a certain wonder and joy that can occur with that. And of course, this is something. And our actions can be just get this done, you know, sweep the floor, make the bed, have a shower, or there could be something a little more attuned to how energy happens in us, how the intention to do something happens in us, how volition, wish, aim, how that happens. We could be a little more sensitive to that and handle it more fully and more more, uh, clearly. So actually it's quite a light touch, but it, it, it's, it's a very thorough touch. You touch all the time. But of course we don't. You know, we slip off and spin out. But that's the aim, is to be in touch. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't mean grip hard. It means just to be in touch. And uh, to be in touch wherever we are, however we are. Now this, so it's not a clench. It's not even a demand that something happens, it's a certain sensitivity to how things are happening, how we're being affected. And we're being affected by anxiety, feeling of this isn't right, uh, feeling of I'm doing something wrong, feeling of what do other people think of me, feeling of what's wrong with her, you know, anticipated hostility, a feeling of Ah, well, this doesn't really matter, indifference. Am I being affected by those? Or am I just pausing and opening and really sensing certain subtler energies, moods, senses move in my mind? And, and these actually are conducive to, to a lightening of being. One becomes less heavy, one less heavy-handed, one less compacted, one something less intensely stuck. And... Uh, isolated the lighter you go as long as you keep that the deeper it gets because it's our forcefulness that tends to create a sort of resistance and sometimes we're just pushing too hard and you push too hard the door locks (laughs) it's strange you probably notice this in life (laughs) Uh Oh, there wasn't a door there. <laughs> it was an open space. <laughs> this is the beauty, you know, of deep, of wise beings' insight. They recognize actually this supposedly solid experience. It's actually very ephemeral. It's, 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 um, it's very flexible and ephemeral on a, on a mental, psychological level. It's, we can actually gently move through. And so gentleness is part of it. Um, and the other piece that I'm hoping to help you to, encourage you to put together, is how your this body, yeah, and whatever we call mind, and where, where do you think your mind is? What do you think your mind is? How does that seem to you? Yeah. What do you call your heart? How does that seem to you? Mm. And how these perhaps seemingly slightly separate categories begin to merge.
and merge and inform each other. So body is really, in a certain level of experience, is not separate from our hearts, minds. And this level we call it energy level. And the most obvious example of this is when you feel frightened, your body jumps just as much as your emotions tighten up. That's a very obvious example of it. When you feel loved and warmed and welcomed, your body kind of tends to soften and open, yeah, just as your heart does. So it's, we, we, un, we know this, but we don't necessarily take full advantage of it. And this is an, this is an essential and continuing relationship that is always there. But a lot of the time, something pulls us out of it and we're out in abstract thinking about the future somewhere else. Yeah. So it's retreat time. We want to really encourage the same old dictums, present moment, here and now, you know, <laughs> not going anywhere, uh, widening, opening, softening, deepening into a process of things coming together. Now these, this, this unification and this sense of the opening will happen, happens quite naturally by itself. But there, is, there are quite a few sort of mechanisms or reactions that, 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 shut, that block it or clog it up. And it's naturally a sense of fear, uh, a sense of um, uh, desire, I want to get, I want to have, I want to be. Um, these are, say, two primary experiences that, that, that delay that process. And the encouragement is there's something quite natural here that we can handle. And the most, sometimes the most obviously natural thing that we all carry around is this body. You know, it may not be the greatest thing, but it's certainly it's <laughs> it's a natural form in nature. So I'll certainly be encouraging that in many ways, in several ways. One of them, I'm hoping to to present some. Some qigong for some of anybody who's interested, and this is certainly up to you to find your way with. Um, and a lot of meditation in terms of breathing it out, in terms of the inner body, um, presenting some of some of those those processes. Uh, and you know, as always, no matter what the teacher says and does, it's, it's everybody works at their own speed at their own rate. There's no way it happens any other way. Yeah, and so I, I would just uh, offer my encouragement uh, for that and welcome you into this um, retreat form. Except me. <laughs> I've done a number of things, <laughs> quite a few things. I started with some quite uh, strongly systematic teachings from the... Uh, Burmese Satipatthana tradition, if you don't know what it is, don't worry about it, but it involves a very scrupulous moment-by-moment attention, quite quite strongly structured. And I started with that, I did that for a number of years, until I found I'd got really what I could out of it, or done what it could for me, <laughs> put it that way. It certainly shaped, sharpened and shaped and strengthened my resolve, but it, I needed something more open, more fluid at that particular time. And then I, I uh, encountered Ajahn Sumedho, whose teaching was not systematic or particularly structured, but actually rather open and fluid, just noticing changeability of things, being with the flow of things, not locking onto things, not identifying with your thoughts and emotions, and how you, you know, what it takes to do that, a certain sense of spaciousness, hum- self-humour about oneself, a lightness of touch, that means you're just able to not just get knotted up by what comes up in your mind. <laughs> so I stayed with that for quite a while, and I'm still kind of with that. It's not that I dismiss any of this. It's just all one piece adds to another piece. Yeah. And it keeps doing it. New pieces come in, as it were. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm certainly with, still with that and still appreciating the the. The, what those processes have done for me, I've become more in, interested in in um, how the energies, subtle energies in the body, 
affect the mind and how the mind affects these subtle energies in the body and I think I touched upon it before just we sometimes call these things emotions but they're not exactly it's a bit bigger than emotions it's sort of felt senses of when one feels um, safe or comfortable or warm or open or slightly nervy or slightly tense or something there are all kinds of and how certain attitudes and, and states come out of these experiences and how to begin to release them at a very kind of primary level. I mean primary level, I mean, we don't think about them, we don't analyse them in my mind. I'm like this, I should be like this, but you get a sense of, wait a minute, what's happening in, in my body? Some things needs to... Soften a little, and often it's this. Just oh, I know what it is. It's I'm kind of worrying about something, you know, and it's having a certain effect on me, you know, without me really being conscious of it. So I become more uh, tuned to that, those processes, and entering into that through actually some classical teachings on mindfulness of breathing. The more that I've found my own way with it, and it's a way that I think is authentic, but you can argue with it, but here you can practice it and you can try something else another time, that's up to you. But this is kind of what's working what, working for me now. So when one begins to experience breathing as much more than just this movement of air from the nose to the lungs, but actually a whole process of prana or chi energy flows through the body that accompany the breathing. So I've become more attuned to that. And because of that, I've and partly come and tune to that through the practice of Qigong, which deals with these energies, but also through mindfulness of breathing and bringing these things together. Um, so those particularly have been main springs in, in my, my practice and, um, and a few other things that are you know, smaller details I won't give you too much on right now that's that's me and I'm pleased to be here with you which is the main thing um, so as you said your piece I hope it was useful just to kind of almost like be asked to crystallize in you know in, in 30 seconds or a minute like well what, what's all this about you know in, in simple words just to have this process of you know pruning and just all the narratives about what we are, just coming down to some pretty simple statements. This is an essential aspect of what I'm calling mind training or mental cultivation, is to begin to simplify a process of thought that can get extremely convoluted, as you all know. You know, into lots of thoughts that actually contradict each other or say I shouldn't think this or what am I really about, and just pruning it down to fundamental, um, you know, the real gist of it. Because in the real gist of it, you get it. You get, oh yeah, you get it. You get a, it actually gets into your heart. You know, and you speak your truth. If your truth is, and all of you, I felt, have spoken your truth, you know, in, in your own way. You, know. you said what, what it meant, what the real meaning is for you uh, with something. And so I, uh, in your own way. So that, you've already done it, in a way, that bit. And now as you have heard yourself and you've heard these other people and I hope you've gone, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, you know, to all these voices. Because in fact we're all saying, again, a very fundamental level, a similar thing. We're all perhaps saying, I have some confidence or faith or there's a possibility here that I'm intrigued by. I'm interested in, I'm sort of alive for, there's something here, something in me or around me or with me that I haven't really fully explored yet, that, that has some potential. And this potential, I, I, I really feel it's for my welfare. It's not some lurking monster, but actually something quite beautiful, fulfilling, enriching, could, I could open into that. And you've all said that in your own way. <coughs> That's meditation. You know, now how the particular systems that you do to, to, to enter that, there's a whole range of means. 
and I'm going to sort of try to, I can't cover them all and it would be confusing if I tried to, but I've got a few means that help. Yeah. And first thing is actually based upon that that you've already given me, which is your sense of, and Buddhism, the word is called sadha, which means a sense of there's something encouraging or better, a certain lift, an inquiry. And with that, you've all expressed something else, which means I've made an effort to get here. I've decided. I've said I'm going to do this. You've all, in fact, touched into your fundamental quality of energy. You're interested, you're willing, because you're interested in something good, you're willing to apply yourself. So, so this is called virya. And a few of you have, have mentioned, and it's of course a very common word, and mindfulness. You're beginning to, how do I frame this thing up? You know. So I've got this general attitude, and what am I actually going to localise into, yeah, I've got, the, I've got the main theory, how do I put it into practice? I am, I've got some interest, and I've got some energy, what am I going to focus on for that? Now this framing up is another fundamental quality that you develop called mindfulness, that we mentioned, it. we're going to washing up for nine days, see what he thinks of it, so he could practice his mindfulness washing up, um, <laughs> answering phone calls, some of us maybe practice mindfulness in walking, in some very simple things, walking, eating, um, sitting, breathing, moving around, reclining, you know, so that's often re- recognised. You can, you can actually, we can all get down to some basic themes, you know, you know, because we all, and the basic things, we all have these bodies, they pretty much do the same things. You know, so we actually, often mindfulness of the body is the reference point that we can all get to because we all have these bodies and they all pretty much do the same things. <laughs> Whereas, I guess on our thoughts, we probably would think quite a lot of different things and ideas. So, mindfulness of body. Yeah. So, this will be a fundamental teaching. Now, that's something you've already also kind of suggested. The need to frame it up, and this means I actually come here and put my body here. I'm not, and so I'm not going to be, you know, watching the telly, uh, going out, shopping. Try to stop planning the future. I encourage you to switch off your mobiles, um, and also encouragement to refrain from conversation. Now, this is not an unfriendly gesture, hopefully. This doesn't mean, oh, shut up, get out of my way. This means I respect, I respect the silence that allows you to look inwardly or look at what you're doing without me interrupting, without me putting stuff into you, without me asking you for some attention, without me engaging you in my topics. Now, I'm going to be engaging you. And I hope you will also engage me in some questions and some interviews. But this is going to be quite a focused way. I'd like us all to uh, really look at what we call noble silence as, as noble. There's a nobility in offering each other the space to be with your own process without feeling you've got to socialise, be nice, pass the time of day, Chit chat, you know, and just say, look, look, friends, we're all are we all okay with each other? And it, could we just kind of just, you know, let things rest? Uh, <laughs> so this is this is the noble science. I encourage this very strongly. This really is one of the epitomes of a, of a retreat. And retreats are different, but for this retreat, I'd certainly recommend this. But please don't see it. This is a cork in your mouth. <laughs> you know, just to, to what you don't do is. It's if you can hear, not just hear the silence, but feel the spaciousness of that. Most of us have a lot of inner voices chattering away, and we can drink in the silence and listen to those and begin to understand what they're saying, what they need to say, and how they can finish speaking. And the silence then is very beautiful. It's not cold or bleak or cut off. It's very beautiful because we begin to touch into something 
that is really of another dimension. This is what's called samadhi. Yeah. Samadhi, you might again, many of you might be familiar with the term, or have heard the word or have ideas about it. You might call it concentration. I don't call it concentration, I call it samadhi. Um, there's often a problem with translating these ancient sacred words into contemporary English language. It, sometimes it misses the essence of it. And this samadhi, I, if you have to find an English word for it, I say unification, collectedness, gathering and deepening. Gathering and deepening beyond words. And it's signalled by a sense of inner happiness and joy. Not sterility, pressure, but inner happiness and joy. And so this, you know, is something I hope to encourage you towards, perhaps clear up misapprehensions about. And uh, the final um, piece that I would put under the umbrella of what we're cultivating, meditation, however you want to do it, is called, uh, again, the Pali word for it, the language of the Buddha, is Banya. And it means can be translated a number of ways: clarity, clarity, clear seeing, um, discernment. I mean, it's not that; it's this. That ability, you know, if you're if you're a car mechanic, you've got this quality. No, that's not the problem. That's the problem. You know, you're able to see clearly, and. Often the word used for it is wisdom, but I'm a bit cautious about that because generally wisdom, people think it's academic or it's having lots of ideas. So this is just clarity, discernment. We're able to see, actually, that's a complete fallacy I'm following. <laughs> that's not nothing I need to do. That isn't something I, I need to hold on to. Actually, it isn't something I can hold on to. Um, what's the real issue here? Oh... I see. Ah, we get to the point. And so this is really, you know, the pinnacle or, you know, the, the really, the, the most beautiful part of the, of the transformation process is through this gathering and a deepening into a certain spaciousness and inner lightness and inner collectedness of being. We kind of come out of this blizzard of our thoughts and moods and sensations and past and future into something quite clear and we begin to see oh, that was the that's you know that's finished I don't need to keep holding on to that this is clear move this way and this is so this is the kind of process that um, I hope is ongoing for you and we've got a chance to just really um, enter into this as as deeply and as, uh, in as in as fruitful a way as possible during this week. So uh, this is an encouragement for you. So just list it again. You have Sada. These are called leaders, the leaders, the Indriya, the leaders, the the the, the authorities, the, our our leading features in in our in our process of of awakening. So sense of. Interest, enthusiasm, confidence, energy, mindfulness, samadhi, discernment, wisdom. So I prioritize these because the Buddha prioritized them. He didn't prioritize a particular meditation technique, only whatever technique or non technique you, you do that leads to these qualities. That's why the, the whole issue of techniques can be very varied techniques, varied systems, you know, uh, non-systems, um, daily life practices. Anything that leads to these and to the fruition of these will, cannot be other than for your welfare and benefit. Uh, it cannot be in any other way. So this is um, the general practices that we do, or the, the themes that we're following. 
and what perhaps we do is, is just spend a little more time as well. A lot of meditation and retreats are about slowing down. Um, not grant, you know, not sluggish, but actually you probably begin to recognise why do you come and retreat? Most of the time things are moving too fast, aren't they? You can't see the wood for the trees because it's just blurring along. Everybody's moving at the speed of cars and things are just moving so fast you don't really, it's a bit of a blur. And so part of it is about slowing down and but staying awake. And in that sense you begin to sense some of these essential qualities you all have that get masked by just the amount of volume and speed that's going on in the rest of your life. It kind of clouds, it distracts, and we want to clear those away. Slowing down doesn't just mean walking slowly, it means, pause, just wait, wait on that one. Get it, touch it, hold it lightly. Wait on that sense of, oh, what's happening now? Uh-huh. What's the, listen to the silence, pause. What's this body about? How's this? What's the breath about? What's the sound of the rain about? This moment's just rising, passing. So in, in a way, we're not looking at anything that is that peculiar or esoteric or religious. We're just paying fuller, more sensitive attention to some very natural, normal things. And this is the subtlety and the beauty of it. That, you know, and somebody said something about a spiritual person living in a human form or something like that. I picked that up. We're actually all in a spiritual process. <laughs> and now we're just kind of going a little bit behind the speed and the volume of our lives, the, the, the music of our lives, to <coughs> something much more intrinsic. Yeah. And believe me, spirituality is not a kind of a, a subset of the human experience, like a little corner that we can do as a hobby. Spirituality is, is the entirety of a human experience, and unfortunately some people never actually enter the entirety of their experience. You know, they, they've got locked into a just material stuff, or power stuff, or excitement stuff. They haven't actually opened it to the fullness of what they're sitting on. Yeah. And we're all sitting on that. We're all spiritual. We're in a spiritual process. Because when we sit still, move quietly, listen carefully, there's something there that is not just my conventional person. There's something there that's open, mysterious, interesting, called openaik, or inviting. Come in, have a look at this. What's this about? So just, just kind of take some of these, bear this in mind, it's about slowing down, it's about silence which is not restrictive, but silence which is respectful. It's about a friendship that is not really social friendship, it's spiritual friendship. So, you know, with yourself and with others. Uh, it's about something that's very natural, happening all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's about listening, attending more deeply. Yeah. And, uh, and it, so these are all essential qualities of any proper meditation experience process. And hopefully you can enter into it. Now just to tonight, just to kind of again um, define some of the boundaries, we have what we call the moral precepts, which are there to remind us when the mind rushes out or goes impulsive or acts on, on automatic, 
no, no, wait a minute, there's some, there's some lines here that we've been asked to respect. One is the respect for all life, yeah, non-harming of life, uh, the life of any living creature, uh, the, the non-harming of, of the life of any living creature. So anything you don't dismiss, chop, cut, smash, I think this is fairly straightforward. Yeah. The uh, sense of uh, respect for... Uh, people, you know, we don't own anything actually in this entire life. All we own is our karma, <laughs> and yet we do kind of appropriate things like this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I've bought this, this is mine. And now we're just saying, just back off, you know. There's a non-appropriation, unless something is directly offered and given, the food, the tea, whatever. Then please enjoy. If it's not, leave it alone. You know. So this sense of learning to, to respect the material resources around us and other people's stuff. Yeah? Um, we're also practicing restraint in terms of sexuality, recognizing this is a very powerful force and energy that we shouldn't really fool around with. Um, it can do all kinds of, can do sort of harmful things to people. Um, I think it's very clear retreats are about just Stopping that, checking that, um, that impulse, and uh, instead seeking the qualities of love and trust through the heart. Um, another precept is about well, refraining from unskillful speech, harmful speech, that gossiping, falsehoods. Um, what else is there? You know, chit chat, stuff that doesn't go anywhere useful, and. Um, harsh speech so if we keep silence this certainly takes care of that (laughs) and refraining from what's called intoxicants which is obviously narcotics, alcohol but you can look at that and think what else do I do that dulls me, anything else that dulls my mind and makes me inattentive vegging out basically (laughs) onto something Uh, so we're just trying to stay upright and awake even if we're not super clear, we're at least undistracted. These are sound principles to to explore and to hold in mind, just even re- recollecting them as a certain sense of it, sh- it gives on a certain uprightness of, yeah, I'm here to I'm here to be attentive. Yeah? It's not harsh, it's attentive. So this is the form. And uh, we will have uh, during the retreat time we'll have a uh, um, morning an early morning rising. Um, okay, this is the bad news or the good news. <laughs> and uh, it's essentially a very lovely time of day to be awake at dawn and up at dawn because everything is starting to change. The darkness changes into light, trees change their breath, animals come alive. There's a whole wave of life force that comes in at the dawn time. It's very beautiful to be around something in us begins to sense that it's a lovely rising time so it's always a great time to to be aware and to awake to and if you've come out of the workaday rhythms you know it might take you a day or two to get into it but you'll you'll certainly find yourself freshening with that if you are really totally exhausted then please take a rest Um, you know don't feel you've got to push yourself but there's something very beautiful in, in that time together and we'll also have some chanting in the morning, um, which is a chance in which we sort of open our hearts and our bodies and resonate together some some chanting. The uh, there'll be breakfast, meditation instruction, meal, offering. I'm a mendicant. Technically, I'm not a monk or an, or a teacher. I'm an alms mendicant. Precisely, that is my job: is receiving people's food. <laughs> My job description. It's fascinating work. (laughs) So (laughs) it actually establishes a very beautiful relationship. I'm not a lecturer, though I do lecture. Uh, I I am uh, someone who offers what I can and receives offerings, and there's a lovely flow. So we will. be an arms, arms off, food offering, and then at that I'll also offer a, a chant, a sense of blessing for the act of offering. 
in the in the in the Mindfulness, the ability to sometimes associated with the ability to remember that which allows us to remember. Um, now we're not really trying to remember anything, but it's that which allows us to remember, which is a sense sense of collecting and what's this? And if you notice, when you try to remember something, the mind has to be open for a moment. Just the where was that? I can't, just can't, you know, I can't throw things into that. I just have to pause from the ongoing stream of thoughts. And what's one? What's her name? And some, so that's, what's, what does it re- enables us to remember? There's a certain pausing, a certain framing up that face, that town, that incident. Things collect. And just holding it until it begins to, something begins to crystallise within that. This is a a process that's a colloquial way of understanding mindfulness. It's rather like this. But now what we're doing, mindfulness of body, which you don't have to remember as an idea, but it starts with, well, how do you know you've got a body anyway? Are you sure? And remembering, but not remembering the body as a series of ideas, but how does it feel to have a body? What is it? How is it? Where is it? How is it? Bodies don't think, do they? They don't plan, they don't imagine, they just, what do they do? They have sensations. tingling, pressures, painful, pleasant, have feelings. There's a certain energy in them, a vitality. They breathe in and out. How do you know you're breathing? A sense of something rhythmic, Changes from breathing in to breathing out, some rhythmic process you're experiencing in an embodied way. <clears throat> How does that become more clearly focused upon, more clearly unimpeded? Well, we sort of sit upright so that my chest isn't compressing my belly by slumping over. I'm not kind of wobbling around, I can stay on that theme. How is it? What optimizes my access to that, that rhythmic process? And we find over you know time and the general consensus is well you just sit upright is <laughs> better. And what does that mean? It means that perhaps if your spine is coming up relatively with an alert, dignified mood to it, you know, so it's not about sitting up rigid, but just a sense as if one is sitting with some dignity and fullness. There's a certain upright quality to the body, it tends to mean that the, the chest is open, the shoulders are relaxed, the belly feels open, we're not cramped, we're not congested, we're not defended, we're not fidgeting. So then we can sense this process of breathing in and breathing out in a very complete, unobstructed way. And um, because this, the, the, our minds do very much attune to this rhythm. It's the home rhythm, it's the birth rhythm. It's there with us all our life. It's going to stay with you. And it does. it is a reading on your mind state. If your breathing is deep, soft, complete, there's no nervous jangle, there's no pressure, there's no rushing, there's no tension, there's no, it's got to be pretty steady, calm and relaxed and we enjoy this. 
So, and the Buddha is saying, basically, I teach pleasure, this kind of pleasure, the pleasure of a, a, a non-pressurized um, experience that is not associated with grabbing things outside me. It's something here. Because it's here, we don't have to reach out for it. So let's take some time um, finding a way to sit where we can be steady for another 20 minutes or so. Operating within your own body as, as you can to sit in a steady way. Many people find this position the what's called the lotus position or where they've got the triangular base which is a nice broad base for your to, to use as a as a stabilizer and then you just start to position your, your spine so that the weight of your body is being carried by that base rather than by something behind you or by resting on your belly you, you transfer the weight down into that triangle and you really make a almost the resolution to do just that, to relax the muscles in your shoulders, in your chest, in your face, and to let yourself really sit, you know, to sense what it is to find that balance of deep, restful sitting. You know, where you can relax in your upper body. And noticing as I sit, Beneath me the ground is very firm, it's completely happy about me sitting on it, it doesn't run away, doesn't move. The space in front of me, there's nobody bothering me, there's nothing obstructing me, it's very free and open. The space behind me, there's nothing behind me that I have to worry about, be on guard against. And I check in these places with my body, and yeah, yeah, I feel, yeah, right. And above my head, it's all very open. There's nothing squashing me down. Now I mention these because very often our mind states do the opposite. We feel apprehensive about what's in front of us. We feel shielding what's behind us. We feel something pushing us on our heads to get something working. Now you want to experience through your body the absence of those pressures. You feel safe, you feel comfortable, you feel open. Just get this. Take your time with it. Learn it thoroughly. Do this many times a day. Learn it thoroughly. And as you do so, And you do slow down and pay attention to something quite natural that's here. You'll begin to sense this deep rhythmic process of breathing. How it brings you life. How the breathing out soothes and rests. How the in-breath brightens. And how just like dawn and dusk they happen quite naturally there's nobody doing it you don't have to do it it's given to you just like sun, sunrise and sunset attuned to nature Allow nature to help you. Allow nature to help you. This is quite natural. Allow it to help you. There's not much you have to do apart from to tune into it, listen to it. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to concentrate on it. You don't have to stop doing any of that. Tune into nature, allow it to help you, and it will help you. It gives you calm, 
and ease. Being tuned in is a couple of ways from the various techniques one can use, but there are certain ways that take us out of that relationship with nature. One is we go abstract, we start thinking about what we haven't done, what might happen, what somebody else is, what we are, what we aren't, so forth. We go into abstract because it's just notions, isn't it? Um, right now. Mm. 
Another way that we uh, don't keep stay tuned in is we perhaps we try to force the tune. Yeah, we sort of get too pushy or willful on it. Got to do this. Got to make it work, and then it starts to become a bit. There's <coughs> an unpleasant quality to it. It's no longer given. It's no longer receiving the gift. It's demanding. It's also takes us out of tune, alignment with nature. In other words, we just get bored, basically. So what? <laughs> so, you, generally we, we sort of penetrate this, this level. It's first of all, it's rather like you're at a, uh, a party or you know, meeting with 50 people, you're having a conversation. And you get all these other conversations going on, and some of 